Hello, I am Heidi and welcome to Heidi's Lemonade Stand, where we talk to real people and share true stories of overcoming life's challenges. We are taking life's lemons and making lemonade. Thank you for joining me. Dan, welcome to Heidi's Lemonade Stand. I am so looking forward to getting to know you and hearing your story. So start out by telling me just a couple of things about yourself. Sure, Heidi. Lovely to be here. Thanks for having me. I'm a traumatic brain injury survivor, um, a world traveler, recently back to Vancouver after 10 years in Europe. Just kind of getting resituated here in Vancouver and now starting down the road of a motivational speaker title, which is quite the interesting job change. <laughs> okay, so there's got to be a lemon to lemonade story in there somewhere then. There is a lemon to lemonade story. So my lemon to lemonade story is happened back in London. Uh, before before what happened, I was a healthy and active guy living and working in, in London, but I lived in Sweden before that. I started having these headaches that were really bad and horrible. They got really bad that I couldn't see properly. I'd see stars or would sometimes just go black for a few minutes. And it's pretty scary when this happened. I was on the tube one time and I just couldn't see for five minutes. I was like, this needs to get checked up by the doctor. I went to A&E, which is accident and emergency in, in London, in the UK. They thought it was vertigo and they sent me home. They told me if the headaches were to continue, I should get them checked in an optometrist. So I went to get my eyes checked in an optometrist. I was in the middle of the exam when the optometrist, Mr. Patel, he stopped it. He gave me a sealed envelope, which was not a casual move. <laughs> he knew this is probably not a good sign. And he told me to go directly to Moorfields Eye Hospital, which I did. Well, I stopped at home first to grab a Jack Reacher book by Lee Child and a bite tea because I figured <laughs> I'd be in for a bit of a wait. Yeah. A phone charge and a few bits, but I didn't open the envelope, which I gathered was his, his main criteria. Uh, they ran the same test at the hospital, then escalated me to Charing Cross Hospital. It turns out I needed to have brain surgery the following day to remove a cyst in my brain that was causing the pressure in my head to go so big that it would cause my vision to go spotty. And I got to a stage where the cyst was so big, they had to have a surgery to remove it. So I emailed my folks in Canada, dropping the old, I'm having brain surgery tomorrow, just heads up. Um, my mom was in the air flying to London. You know, I messaged a few, my manager and a few friends. I told them I don't think I'll be in Monday, I said. My mom was in the air flying to London on June 21st, 2014, when I was on the operating table. Something went wrong and I had a massive bleed in the brain, a brain hemorrhage. I think the cyst burst in my head when they operated. My mom lands and finds I was in a coma for four weeks, but was in and out of consciousness for months after that. Um, I was clinging to life for a long time here. When I woke up, I woke up with my dad, mom, and brother on the on the, the bed, and I'm trying to speak to them because I'm trying to communicate. And they're like, oh, are you okay? Are you? They're talking to me, but I can't talk because I had a tracheotomy that was removed, and I couldn't. my voice box didn't come back right away. So I point at my brother and go, you give me a pen and paper, which I'm sure they were like, oh, this is relief. At least he can think. I wrote, get me out of here. And I gave it to Cam. I go, yeah, make it happen, bud. Let's get out of here. And I've got tubes coming out of me. I've been in the hospital. You know, I've been in the hospital for months after that. But I guess I just, my initial thought was, you know, this looks, this looks kind of serious. I should probably get out of here as quickly as I can. Needless to say, he didn't get me out of the hospital. Didn't break me out as a, as they requested, but, um, you know, when all of a sudden done, I was learning how to walk, talk, and smile again. Uh, I was leveled to a point of 
totally dependent um had to be wheeled around to the shower had to be wheeled around everywhere i was in a wheelchair for a while but it took me you know 30 minutes to get in the wheelchair the first time 25 20 15 10 7 8 minutes to get in the wheelchair it was an uphill battle it was a grind so as i mentioned i was not able to walk because my leg had frozen at an angle when i was in a coma which means the muscle had atrophied a little bit and I had to wear a splint. Now a splint was like a cast that you wear over your leg that gently stretches the muscle. Now the first night I wore the splint, it was, I wore it through the night, no issue, no stress. It was easy, I thought. This will be easy, I thought. Ha 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 It's not going to end up that well. Uh, the second night after 20 minutes was painful. After 30 was dreadful. After 40, it's unbearable. We take the splint off. But... I tell the doctors, we can do it for an hour. I can, I can grin it out. I can bear this for an hour. We can do it for an hour, please. They wrap it up on the final day, the third day, and they go patrol the ward. Now, the ward, Wilson's in L shape, so short on this side, long on this side, okay? Give me the clicker, which is the nurse call button, and we set the time on my phone for one hour. Cool, this will be good, I thought. They go out, you know, on their patrol. After 10 minutes, it's painful. After 20, it's dreadful. After 30, it's unbearable. We're doing this for an hour. Whose idea was this? This is insanity. This is insanity. I start passing the clicker back and forth, trying to distract myself from the pain. As the, as the pain ratchets up, my throat is getting more enthusiastic. Until And now I have devolution, which means I can't see any of this. I'm feeling this out. Inevitably, I overshoot my hand. The clicker lands on the floor. Um, okay, I look at the edge of the bed. Three and a half feet down on the hard, shiny linoleum floor is this clicker, my, my, my solution. Okay, that's not good. I can't move the splints on my leg. I'm yelling out, help, help. The word the Wilson's in L shape, short on this side, long on this side. They're down on the far side doing the patrol of the wards. So I have two options here. I can wait for them to come back in 30 minutes, which they may or may not come back in 30 minutes, maybe 40, maybe 50. Or I can grab the clicker on the floor, which may break my arm. I figured about a 50-50 chance of me breaking my arm. I decide to drop down to, to get the clicker because even if I break my arm, at least I have the clicker to get the splint off my leg and I can fix my arm. So I crash down in a heap. The arm holds a hammer the clicker, thinking they're going to come bursting into the room to come to my rescue. Kind of strolled in five minutes later. Oh, what are you doing on the floor, they say. And let's not worry about that. Please look at the splint off my leg and I'll tell you all about it. So we learned a couple lessons from this experience. The first being, you know, let's not pass the clicker back and forth. That's not a good idea. <laughs> the second being, let's do the splint up at the hip, not at the ankle, so I can undo this should this happen again. Not a massive learning, but a micro learning and like little bits of improvements. My tagline is better than yesterday. And that's something I kind of take on board that every time I make a mistake or a failure, I learn from it and improve. I'm happy to say this never happened again. This kind of goes to show you how painful the splint was to wear. Now, once we had the splint working, we started walking on the hallways of the wolves and on the Zimmer frame, which is a four post machine you kind of lurch forward on. Yeah. Uh, it was slow going. Every step reminded you you're alive. I'll tell you that much. Then we moved up to the Ferrari, which is a four wheeled walker with wheels. You kind of waddle fast. You can kind of waddle quickly on this. You'll notice a gamification of things here, right? Then we moved up to naked walks. Now, what's a naked walk, you may ask? I know the audience here, don't worry, it's it's appropriate. <laughs> it's walking without supporter aids. 
I was walking naked. The term kind of stuck. So I'm walking in the parking lot of the Wolfson, just kind of grinding it out. And then we walked in Tudor Broadway. So just to detail it up for yourself and your listeners, Tudor Broadway's South London, what they call up and coming, which means it's dodgy as loud, dirty, grimy, some gangs. It's on the cusp of like tolerable, but it's got some real real estate potential. So they call it up and coming. <laughs> so I'm walking with a cane and an eye patch in Tudor Broadway. You know, the first day I'm super excited, doe-eyed, but I'm like Bambi on ice. I'm not really that strong of a walker these days, right? So we had a cane, I got an eye patch. I turned the corner and immediately get bumped into by someone. Okay, stagger back. Someone else cuts me off. Some guy's been stabbed on the sidewalk here. I'm like, this is a pretty wild place to walk. I'm thinking this is, um, this, this place sucks to walk. This is the worst place to walk in the world. Can't you see I'm trying to walk here? Can't you see I'm trying to learn here? I was getting really dejected by this over a few days, over a few days of trying this out. And then one day my perspective shifted. This isn't the worst place to learn how to walk in the world. This is the best place to learn to walk in the world. If I can walk here, I can walk anywhere. And my mood reflected that. Now, Tune Broadway didn't change, right? It's still up and coming as far as I'm aware today. But it went from the worst to the best in my mind. And my mood reflected that. If you can make yourself view things from a different perspective, that can be a huge unlock for you when you're facing adversity. Now, how did I come up with this change in perspective? Heidi, that's a great question. I'm glad you asked that. This question, this is this came up to me with um, you know, being in a wheelchair, I spent a lot of time on my bed in my backside. A lot of time to think. You know, all these reasons why this is the worst. And I wrote them down like these are the worst because of this. In my head, I kind of wrote down this list. And I thought, well, couldn't these make these this the best? Because it's difficult, it's dirty, it's busy, it's grimy, it's it's a cacophony of noises and sounds and experiences. I'm I'm learning to walk here in this stressful, strenuous environment. But if I can walk here, I can walk anywhere. Maybe these are in fact the best reasons, maybe this is the best place to walk in the world, not the worst. And that subtle shift in my perspective made all the difference. I began looking forward to my walks, bump into me, crash past me. Good, bring it on. If I can walk here, I can walk anywhere. That's kind of just to show you the, the, the mentality I had when I was going through this process. I struggled back. It's released from Wilson after five months. And then I started going back to work after about a year from the brain injury. Still doing rehab, still going at work. Um, Getting back to work was a huge effort. I was super stoked to be back in the office and my employer, my old employer, Hootsuit, was super accommodating. We were working four days a week and then we had a bit of a setback. So after all that work to get back to work, I was found unconscious in my flat by my mom. We had met up in the morning before I went on the tube just to kind of showcase that I was there and, and you know, I was making it to work on time. I didn't show up one day. And so she went back to the flat and found me lying on the floor unconscious. So she called 999 or 911 in the States. The ambulance came and they came up the stairs and brought me to the hospital. I had emergency brain surgery. The shunt that was in the brain had blocked again, leading to hydrocephalus or water in the brain. So I wake up in the hospital with all this beeping around me and like, well, what happened? What happened? Dan, you had a second emergency brain surgery. And I go, you mean all my progress is washed away? 
well, we got the we got the blockage. You're all good to go now. But yeah, you had a second brain injury. To tell you I was low after this would be an understatement. Like my describe my recovery is like this W shape. My sore line's a W shape. The first setback is this first dip. Back to works back up to the normal. Now the second dip is not where the first one was, but much deeper. Because all my progress was washed away after a year of work. Hmm. Not to mention I was no longer entitled to do rehab because I already tapped that vein. So I had to build back on my own. And it took me weeks to get my head right around this and to think like to reposition this in my head and to avoid what I call the pity spiral. Yeah. Now the pity spiral is just, just what it sounds like, just feeling woes me, why this isn't fair. Now you're right, it's not fair. It's not, it shouldn't have happened. It was a 10% case that should have happened to me, right? 10% chance this could have happened. But it did. And you can choose to look at it like woes me, woes me, or you can choose to look at it like I know how to build back from this better. And this didn't happen overnight either. This isn't like a magical shift of like, wow, it's just get up and keep going. This is just what happens. It's like, this took me weeks to get over this, right? But I knew how to rehab better than I did the first time. So I got back to work. Chop wood, carry water is what I call this. And that's just my my way of describing work. Get up early, go to the gym, meditate, swim, chop wood, carry water, build back incrementally. Do online stuff with the rehab. So I do vocational training, speech and language therapy, chop wood, carry water, get back to work. This took months and eventually I made it back to work for the second time and was able to be a contributing member of the team until I was let go from that job in the summertime in a restructuring. So Hootsuite downsized about 400 people lost their job. I was one of the, or one of the many that got let go and I gave myself a bit of a boozy lunch. And I decided then and there, I'm going to become a motivational speaker the next day. I mean, I've been speaking for years, but it's always a part-time side hustle. And then I decided, you know what? What a great opportunity this is to me to dive in this head first. Now you notice like the scaling down of like grief to get to acceptance. Like the first setback took me months. That second setback with the hydrocephalus took took weeks. This, this, this last setback with Hootsuite took an afternoon. And I was in the Mac store getting a new computer, which I'm calling you on today. And I decided I'm going to become a motivational speaker full time as my career now. Now's the time to take my shot. I'm able to fast track it to acceptance so quickly because wishing something didn't happen is not an adequate way to resolve the issue you're facing. And by accepting that it happened, you can move forwards. Acceptance is a huge piece of this. And it's not fair. You're right. It's not fair. It shouldn't have happened. No. But guess what? It did. And by you wishing it didn't happen, it's not going to progress you anywhere forwards from this. I could have sat there and be like, you know, woe is me for the next three, four months. But then when I snapped to myself back to reality, I would have been three or four months back where I could have taken progress every day. I decided to just accept it and move forward from that moment onwards. It wasn't fair, but it happened. It's not my fault, but it's my responsibility to make something happen to this and move forward with this. So it's like that kind of mindset permeates everything I do now. And it's how I approach my life and how I hopefully will impact my clients' lives with speaking and whatnot. So that's kind of my lemon to lemonade story, Heidi. Wow. 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 That's the lemon that nobody wants to have to deal with is like, I mean, you have health problems and then you have brain injuries. Like that's a whole new level of recovery and 
stress and having to wonder if you're going to get anything back again. And then to get it back and to lose it again, like, holy cow, once is enough. And I love your mindset, your attitude about like, basically, why not me? Bring it on. Let's do it. Well, I was brought this, this idea of post-traumatic growth. Yes. Which is something I've I've been aware of recently. A friend has brought forward to me and I like, that's very much what I feel like I've experienced. Yeah. So every time I get hit by something, I'm just like, okay, I'm just, I'm just raising up to the next level. But that job loss, I remember feeling like, this isn't, this like sucked. I worked there for nine years. Mm. It was a knock for sure. Yeah. But what a great opportunity this is for me to get my speaking career going and to dive into this head first and to share the knowledge I've learned in a full-time capacity. I wouldn't have had the guts to quit my job and try this out full-time, but now I was let go. I almost got a free pass to try this out. That's me like choosing to look at it from the positive side of things, but you always get a choice. You can always choose how you look at things. And it's not what happens to you, but how you react to it that matters. That's a through line in one of my talks that you choose how you react to something. You can choose to react to it like, well, this sucks. I lost my job. This isn't fair. Or you can look at it like, well, I get a chance to pursue the speaking career that I've always dreamed of doing. I've got, you know, a chance to do this now. Why not take advantage of it? And like, you can choose to react to it in two different ways. It's like that old adage, um, whether you think you can, you think you can't, you're both right. Yeah. Yep. And like, what you think about it makes all the difference, right? It's, it's a huge thing of this. And I think the brain injury is scary because you're not sure what capacity you're going to be at. So I think when I initially asked for my brother and I pointed at him and I wrote down you know, what I wanted him to do, my parents were like, oh, at least he can function in some sort of capacity. But yeah, it's quite a mixed a bag of diagnosis you can get after this. Yeah. Well, and I love how you say spiraling. I, I use that same concept of spiraling down into like this black hole of negativity, you know, because that's what it is. It's just that it's like that slide of spiraling down and you got to stop that and decide you're not going to spiral. So what do you think was the difference or what did you do to get out of that spiral? Mood follows action. I'm a big believer in this. And like, I really am intentional with my day. Get up early, go to the gym, work out, meditate, cold shower. Like every day I've got this routine that kind of boots me up, a boot up sequence, if you would, to get me in, in my peak mental state and peak mental flow. And I just suffocate the excuses. Yeah, I can, I will, I must. And I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it this way because I'm, I said I'm going to do it. This doesn't really translate too well for everyone else because maybe it's like, well, I'm not that disciplined or that um, momentum's not that big for me. It's like, well, I was never that disciplined, but I've chosen to attack it in this light. And I choose to go forward, even though it's not easy. Like I take one step forward, three steps back all the time. I'm three steps back, three steps forward, one step back. But I keep moving forward because even if it's a small progress, it's still progress. And some days it may be negative progress, but you still attack it every day. You have to choose to attack it every day. I think forwards is the only way I know how to go and the only way I know how to approach this. So that's kind of what I give to your listeners, Heidi. Yeah, you are so inspiring to listen to. And I, I'm so grateful I got to hear your story. So what would be one piece of advice or one cup of sugar for our lemonade that you make sure you try to always share when you're speaking? I share my biggest hack has been meditation. Hmm. And I meditate now for like 20, at least 20 minutes in the morning, usually 25. But damn, that's such a high number. How can I get there? Well, 
I didn't start at 20. I started at two minutes in the morning, right. then four, then six, then eight. The key with my rehab and recovery has been small incremental goals that you can stack on top of each other and they compound. Don't aim to do a 20-minute meditation session if you've never meditated before. Right. Start with two minutes. Next week, do four minutes, then six minutes, then eight minutes. Don't try to like slay it all in one go, like build it up to this. It's not going to be easy to do it off the hop, but it's like consistent practices show incremental improvements is how you're going to navigate this difficult situation. Whether it be, you know, the, the, the talks about like my history with a brain injury, right? But like the odds are you're not going to have a brain injury. Like that's a very small percentage of people that have a brain injury. But I guarantee you in some point in your life, you're going to face that adversity of like a, a job loss, a breakup, a diagnosis, an addiction. You're going to face that proverbial punch to the face that Mike Tyson so eloquently described. How are you going to face that adversity? Like I've, I've navigated this in a way that allows me to, to build back better, but it starts with yourself and your habits you put in place. So like my morning routine is so crucial for this. Right now I do hacks on my talks as well. And that's kind of a big part of my hack right now is the morning routine, because I think that's so crucial for your day and starting off your day right. You win the morning, you win the day. Like I'll share one hack with you if you don't mind, Heidi. Okay. I call icebreakers. Okay. So icebreakers is uh, walking in London. So London's quite a busy and vibrant city, quite a hectic spot. When you're walking there, it's mayhem. It's not a New York style busy, but it's like for Europe, it's like it's pandemonium. So what an icebreaker is, is someone walking in your same direction and you walk behind them and let them break the ice for you. You fall in their wake. So you're not taking the full on, you're not breaking the ice for them. They're breaking the ice for you, but you're walking in their wake behind them. Stroller is a great icebreaker or like a couple walking in front of you is a great icebreaker because they break the ice for you. Ranger people have what they call fatigue, which means I, I my batteries is quicker drained than most. And if I don't have to face the onslaught of walking into a head-on traffic, my battery can last for longer and I can be better longer. Everything in my life is about being better than yesterday. And these little hacks help me extend the lifespan of that battery. Allow me to navigate this in a way that allows me to be better than yesterday and kind of improve my way to be in my my vibe. So oh. as an example, one of the hacks I've got, I've got a whole bunch of hacks. Yeah. One other one I'd love to share with you, Heidi, if you don't mind, is... Um, podcasts i'm a big podcast guy and i find podcasts a great way to digest information so your podcast for instance but there's lots of podcasts out there you can listen to i'm a big fan of tim ferris kind of talking about suffocating excuses and kind of just you know your mindset's all the all the game and stuff like this so podcasts are quite huge and i love consuming content that way because my eyesight's a little bit buggered up i've got television still which means that listening to content is much easier for me than, than reading it to listen to content when I go for a walk or go to the gym. It's a great way for me to digest information. So that's a great other hack I'm about to share with you. Yeah, that is really good. I, I love to tell people about podcasts as well, because I think there's positive and uplifting things out there that we can listen to in kind of that downtime or that working out or driving or walking that that will uplift our day. And so I think that's a great plug for podcasts. But I love what you said about the icebreaker. I didn't think about that. But even... Like with you, it's great, you know, with your brain injury and you're just trying to stay standing up walking. But I think to have an icebreaker to walk behind someone when you're having a rough day, when you're sad, when you're depressed, when you're lonely or any of those kind of feelings that you're having and you're already so drained that if you can get behind somebody in a crowd and kind of walk behind in their path, 
I think that's going to be a really great way to kind of clear your mind instead of being the one that's taking the brunt of all the hits yeah. and being out front. You know, it's a good way to protect yourself. And so I think that's really great advice. You mentioned that. And I think that's good for anybody to kind of keep that in mind when they're in a group to kind of get behind that icebreaker person and protect themselves a little bit. You'll notice the gamification of all this stuff. Like I'm always making a game out of things and having fun with this and just trying to make light of situation because life's not easy, fair, or always fun unless you make it fun. If you choose to have fun at things, it can be enjoyable and pleasant. It makes a lot, makes a lot easier to navigate difficult situations. So that's my small bit of lemonade for your lemons. That's awesome. That's so perfectly said. Thank you for sharing your lemonade. I appreciate it. Thank you for sharing your light and for what you have endured and your voice that you're sharing and you're uplifting and helping others be able to endure as well. So thank you. I really appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate you. You're still here? Well, then enjoy this little outtake from that interview. So keep it up. I wish you all the best with your speaking too. I want you to be able to be heard and be able to give this message to everyone. So I love it for people to get in touch on Instagram, on LinkedIn, on my website, mcqueendan.com. Talk about future speaking gigs. I do a lot of in-person and online speaking gigs. Yeah. Um, so speaking is kind of what I'm doing now. And I'd love for anyone who's interested to get in touch. And we can talk about how that could work for your organization or group. Yeah. So you've interviewed a lot of people, Heidi, on your podcast. I'm kind of curious to know, are there themes that you find out from your guests about how to navigate difficult situations, about how to be more resilient? Like, what are some themes that you've noticed as a host? Yeah. You get people that have difficult navigated difficult situations. Mm, I'm glad you asked that. Yes, there is definitely some common themes. And that's actually what I speak about in my speaking engagements is I teach about a lot of the common things I've heard from people. And a, the big one is gratitude that instead of in that spiral and spiraling down, it's kind of stopping that spiral and being grateful for whatever, just looking at life as a gift. Things are happening for you and not to you. And that that. there's some that. good stuff in everything and everything is a gift and to find the gratitude and it can turn your thinking if you can stop and be grateful. That's wonderful, Heidi. Well, thank you so much for having me on your podcast. It's been a pleasure to speak with you today and I wish you all the best. Thank you. I wish you the best and I hope that you're able to keep sharing your message. So thank you for sharing it with me. I appreciate you. Thanks, Heidi. Thank you very much. I have enjoyed spending this time with you. You might have a friend struggling with the same thing that we talked about in this episode that might enjoy listening to this too. So please share this episode because no one is alone at the lemonade stand.